we found out that the company behind those was a uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which is a really big company with much deeper pockets than I had to uh, fight some of the things that they were doing that I didn't think were quite right. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy's online course, How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. I wrote this course for those who want to go from feeling frustrated, intimidated, and overwhelmed by the stock market to becoming confident and in control of their financial future. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount now. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, Daniel Burris. Daniel, are you ready to rock? I am ready. I am so excited. It's 6 a.m. here in Bangkok, Thailand. I've had my espresso shot, and I'm just so excited to read your bio to the audience because it really is impressive. So let me do that. Daniel Burris is considered one of the world's leading futurists on global trends in disruptive innovation. The New York Times has referred to him as one of the top three business gurus. He is the CEO of Burris Research, a research and consulting firm that monitors global advancements in technology-driven trends to help clients profit from technological, social, and business forces that are converging to create enormous, untapped opportunities. He is a strategic advisor to executives from Fortune 500 companies using his anticipatory business model to develop game-changing strategies based on his proven methodologies for capitalizing on technology, innovations, and their future impact. He's delivered over 3,000 keynote speeches worldwide, including one just yesterday. He is the author of seven, yes, ladies and gentlemen, seven books, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Flash Foresight, and his latest bestselling book, The Anticipatory Organization. And he is a syndicated writer with millions of monthly readers on topics of technology-driven trends, disruptive innovation, and exponential change. Daniel is an innovative entrepreneur who has founded six businesses, four of which were U.S. national leaders in their first year. His accurate predictions date back to the early 1980s, where he became the first and only futurist to accurately identify the 20 exponential technologies that would become the driving force of business and economic growth for decades to come. Since then, he has continued to establish a worldwide reputation for his exponential record, exceptional record and exponential, <laughs> of predicting the future of technology-driven change and its direct impact on the business world. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Daniel Burris. Daniel, tell us a little bit about your life. It's really a pleasure to be with you. And, you know, I think just to kind of tee this up, we, everyone listening to this has multiple talents. And you can make your living off a of talent. You can do well. They're fun. Actually, you're talented. But there's a ceiling to a talent. You can only go up so far in the talent zone, and you can't seem to go much further. And by the way, if you're sick today, there's another talented person that has a talent like yours and can take your place. But there's also something inside of each one of you that's called a gift, and it's unique to you. And when you can discover that gift, and I believe that life's journey is discovering the gift, and you direct those talents to support the gift, it provides a thermal that will allow you to move forward and soar without flapping your wings. 
So I would say, uh, are you spending some time to discover what that gift is and then direct the talents to support that? And luckily, long ago, I found what my gift was, and uh, that is to teach. I was put on the planet to teach. I know why I'm here. And that's why I develop learning systems and write books and give speeches. It's a passion of mine. I can't help myself. Mm. It's just what I do. And so rather than tell, I like to do that. So it's going to be hard for me to just tell you of a worst investment without finding a way to teach in there as well. well we're going to give you that opportunity. I, I know you will, Andrew. Thank you. I like the way you describe the difference between talent and gift. And the point is, is that we all can learn a topic. We can all become an expert. But the people that become real valuable influencers in this world that make a bigger impact are the people that are experts to some extent on a topic and then bring it together with that gift. And I never really thought of it that way. I just thought the accumulation of talent and the accumulation of information would just naturally make you an influencer. But I see that the rocket fuel to talent and information is the gift. Would you agree? Unique gift, because then if you're sick today, everyone else is in trouble because you're unique. You've tapped into your uniqueness. One other thing, if you don't mind, we're not on our worst uh, the subject yet, but, yet, but we're on a good subject. So let me just give you something that you mentioned, and that is influence and influencers. And I was just talking the other day about influencing versus followers, because a lot of people have followers, and then there are people that are influencers. And what's the difference? And one of the ways that I help some people think that through was I said that it's, it's kind of like looking at success. If your goal is to be successful, remember, success is all about you. It's about how much you've made. It's about how many awards and degrees you have. It's about how many books or whatever it is, businesses you started. That's your success. It's all about you. But that will, of course, give you a lot of followers. Followers and success kind of go together. Influence is different. I believe influence is not about success. It's about significance. Because significance is about what you do for others. Success is about what you do for you. And if you elevate your significance every day, every month, every year, you will find yourself being more successful as a byproduct of that. So followers, success, influence, significance. Just wanted to throw that out there. It's beautiful. I mean, it's something that I'm thinking about because watching some of your presentations on stage, I think what you, know, you were saying that a part of what you want to do is help people adapt and change based upon the trends that are coming. And that's different from just getting imparting knowledge. In fact, a while ago, I took an online course and I've taken a lot of them and I have my own. And I took this online course and, and I paid a huge price compared to most of the courses I took. I said, why did I so easily put that money down? And it's because I believed that at the end of that course, this woman was going to transform this part of my life. And she truly did. She took me to a new place. And when I think about her as, a, as I'm her follower, well, no, she's truly influenced my life and helped me to see that the challenge of selling, in my case, is online courses, is what transformation am I bringing to people's lives? And so I think about the course content is the, the information, the talent, get this stuff down. But it's in the Facebook groups and the other ways that I 
encourage and influence and support my students to, to get to that next point. Like I got that promotion. I got, I know how to value a company, you know, whatever that is. So I'm thinking about the idea of transformation, but I'm also thinking about how that fits in with unique gift and talent. And one last thing about that. I got one I could throw out on that one. Tell me. And that is because I also have some online courses as well and uh, that have done really well. And I think what you want to look at is, are you trying to change someone or transform them? And change always comes from the outside in, causing you to react without fires, crisis managed. Transformation is different. Transformation, whether it's business or personal, always comes from the inside out. And uh, that gives you more control. So if it's not coming from the inside out, you aren't transforming, you're just changing. So I think when I develop, when I'm writing a book or giving a speech or whatever I'm doing, I really try to do like you're thinking. I try to have transformation in mind and the person in mind. And that's uh, another, brings me to one other little example that we're talking about. And the last time I was speaking in uh, China about uh, a little over a year ago before all this got locked down, I was in Beijing. There were about 14,000 people in the audience. There were some 30 different languages being translated. And uh, someone said to me, are you nervous being in front of a big audience like that? And I said, well, no, because I'm not focused on me. I'm focused on them. See, if I was focused on me, I'd be worried about, am I going to remember what I'm going to say? How do I look? How's my stay? Yeah, exactly. But when I'm 100% focused on them and helping them, how, how could I be nervous? And especially if I've done a little homework ahead of time to find out what their biggest pain is. Because if I can ease their biggest pain, and I know I can do that because I've done a little homework ahead of time, wow, I've got something powerful. Once again, it's about significance, focusing on others. I think, you know, in transformation, I think those are all really important words here. It just makes me think I'm preparing to give a two-day seminar on my book, How to Transform Your Business with Dr. Deming's 14 Points. And mm. it's with a management team that I've worked with over time. But what, what I do always, and I, I have an online course about how to give a great presentation, and I say what you want to do is do two things. First, always create a survey before the event, if you can. Get answers to all the questions you possibly can before you even walk in that room. And now I understand why that helps me so much, because as you say, it helps me focus on them, their needs. And that helps me shape my content and make a better thing. And then I always teach in my course, I teach, when do we have Q&A? It's always at the end of a presentation. I always say, do Q&A up front. Get as many. So I, had, I did a seminar, an online event for CFA. We had about 400 people on it. Small in your terms, but in my terms, it was pretty big. And what I used is, you know, the online tools. In this case, I used Slido. And then basically what I was able to do is tell the audience, give me your questions now. What do you want to know? How can I help you? And I said, I'm not even going to start until we've got 50 questions up here and you're upvoting them so I can really see what you want out of this. And that brought a huge amount of energy. It put them first and it allowed me to shape the rest of my presentation. I could, I could tailor my content to there. So I always ask questions and, and ask the questions at front. So what you're just telling me is that because I'm putting their needs, their ideas, their interests first, yeah, I don't feel stressed. I feel really excited that I have something to bring to them 
and I know what their pain points are. Yeah, yeah, very good. Exciting. Wow. All right, well, I think I, I'm really excited about what you do, and I'm looking forward to, to following you more and, and being influenced by you about how I can <laughs> change and improve my life, and I know my listeners feel the same. But now it's time to share your worst investment ever, and since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and then tell us your story. Sure. Well, I started out before starting the six companies I've started. I taught biology and physics, so I've always been interested in science and technology, and obviously I'm a technology futurist, so I look at technology. So I've invested in technology, and I've done well with that because I'm a technology futurist. Hey, I do well. However, I wanted to diversify and I wanted to uh, diversify my investments. And I know that now again, in the United States with our tax laws, there's some good advantages to getting into real estate and commercial real estate. There's some tax advantages to that. And I didn't know anything about that, but I had a couple of people that did, gave me some advice. And so I invested in some buildings and, and a bunch of things so that I could diversify. Well, that was the inverse investment I ever made in my life. Now, they were looking good in the beginning, but there were some things that uh, shifted and changed. And we ended up, meaning the people, myself, and the few others that invested in these high rises, these are some good, <laughs> big, big investments. We found out that the company behind those was a Berkshire Hathaway, which is a really big company with much deeper pockets than I had to uh, fight some of the things that they were doing that I didn't think were quite right. And it went through legal and years ticked by. And in the meantime, my other investments are doing great. And this one's kind of dying there. And the long and the short is that there was years of nothing happening, no way to get out of it because there was a legal problem now. And you can't get rid of things when there's legal issues, meaning I can't just sell it. Who wants to buy a problem? So I'm stuck with a lot of investment. And by the way, this is time and it diverts your energy thinking. There are times when you can't sleep because you're thinking about, you know, what do I do with this? And it ended up being a loss. Now, there are ways that I, in that final lawsuit, I recovered some, but nowhere near what was put in. So it became a, a big loss. And the loss was not so painful in the money as it was in time, emotion, and distraction. Mm. And I would say distraction was the biggest thing. Related to this, and I'm not getting into another worst investment, I'm not bringing that in, but it's very related to the lesson here. In my early days when I started writing and speaking, I heard of a, uh, a speaker that actually reached out to me and wanted to speak on my subject. And I was, of course, happy to give him some coaching, but he actually wanted to speak on, you know, he wanted to be me. And I said, well, you know, you can only go so far because you didn't do the research. You didn't do the homework. You didn't have the background. You didn't start six companies that did well beforehand. So you're better off focusing on what you do best. Again, the gift. Unique gift. Well, I spent time helping him with his gift and helping him figure it out. Anyway, he ended up uh, really just copying everything I was doing. And at first I was getting upset, kind of like with this real estate thing. Yep. I was getting upset about him 
you know, doing all this stuff until I realized something that was really insightful. And this is how I dealt with the real estate issue as well. I started realizing, man, I'm thinking more about his future than I'm thinking about my future. Wow. And by the way, there's the biggie. And in that one, and it could bleed over the other one. And once I just said, look, I'm going to be focusing on my future, not his. And I just put it to the side. He ended up doing exactly what I would know. It didn't work. He was trying to be me and he can't be me. There's only one you on the planet. There's only one Andrew on the planet. Everyone that's listening, there's only one of you on the planet. So the more you are, find what's unique in you and leverage that, the more power you have. What the mistake I made, Andrew, with my investment was I got outside of the area of expertise that I knew, A, and with a good amount of money, instead of dabbling my foot in it and see how I do. Secondly, I didn't do the background research I should have done. I took advice of some people that gave me advice on it that were good and knowledgeable, but, and there were some events that they couldn't have predicted perhaps, but nonetheless, I didn't do the homework like I should have. If I would have, I probably would have put a smaller chunk into it. Mm. Uh, So there were some, uh, and I allowed myself, and I'll tell you, this is probably the biggest for me. I allowed myself to be distracted by it like I did with that other guy more than I should have because, again, I don't want to be spending time on someone else's future or a problem. I want to be spending my future and my time on opportunity. And I was getting sucked into the problem and not the opportunity. So there was a big lesson learned in that, including spend more time investing in what I know and diversify, but within at least the realm of what I know. There's just a lot to that. But before I ask you the next question, I want to address all of you listening and ask the question, what is it that is negatively distracting you right now? What is that thing that that person, place, thing, investment? What is that thing? Now, you don't obviously just throw it away or walk away from it. But if you begin to develop awareness, as Daniel has taught us now, that what is that thing? So keep that in mind while we ask Daniel the next question, which is, can you- Well, well, Andrew, what you just said is so powerful. I want to put an exclamation point on that for people. Because your focus and your emotion can be completely disrupted. And when you start disrupting your focus, even just a little bit, what you're capable of doing is dropped tremendously. Hmm. Because focus and capability go together. And one of the things, I'll give you a phrase that I've, I've learned. By the way, I have to relearn this every now and then. All right. And that is the power of let it go. Let it go. Mm. seems like you can't let it go. Yes, you can. Let (laughs) it go. And by the way, I just applied this recently to something that was becoming an issue with one of my uh, distributors. And it was, you know, that there could be some potential lawsuits and other things. And I I thought, you know, it's starting to distract me again. What's the end result of the best op of that compared to me being focused on what I do best? Let it go. And it helped tremendously already. Fantastic. So I have to reuse that a lot. So I didn't want to miss that because yeah. it's too big a one to, I just, again, exclamation point on your point there. Daniel, that's a great one. And I'd, I'd like to share a story of my youth when uh, my dad 
my dad was a pretty bright guy and we had very different temperaments and I was more entrepreneurial. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> oh, man. I was more entrepreneurial. He worked at DuPont all of his career and built, you know, a great life and a happy family. But I remember when I was 16, I got a moped and I used to drive to school and back and it was a bit of a trip. And uh, one day I got to, I got home and I like had, you know, scuffed up knees and I had fallen off the bike, motorcycle, the moped. And I told my dad, you know, he said, what happened? I said, well, somehow got off the road and I got into like a little gully or a little ditch and, and I couldn't really get out of it. And, and then eventually I lost control of it. And, and my dad told me what he learned from his safety training at DuPont was that every accident is preventable. And he, you know, and that, that was the challenge of the, what they said is how could you prevent this accident? And I'm like, dad, there's no way I could have prevented this. He's asking me this question. And he's, he's like, well, I like, well, what would you have done? I said, and he said, slow down. <laughs> yeah. If I just slowed down, I was trying to wrestle myself out of this ditch. If I just slowed down and let myself come to it. So that's the concept to me. That's the way I remember the idea of let it go. Don't fight it. And there is a way. And that's one of the things that is a, uh, a self-assigned to myself thing that I'm passionate about doing, and that is getting people to be as anticipatory as possible versus reactionary. And your dad was giving you an anticipatory concept. And that is, I would rather predict and prevent than I would rather react and respond. And everything can be predicted and prevented if you take a little bit of time to think about it. So he was, he was definitely giving you some good, good coaching there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, yeah. let's get into it. What lessons did you learn from this experience? Well, I kind of mentioned them already, but I think the biggest lesson that I learned is the invest in what I know in, I know about, instead of getting way outside of my wheelhouse. Because again, our wheelhouse is pretty big. Yep. But if you get way outside of that wheelhouse, you're going to have to spend a lot more time researching it to make that investment a worthy investment. And I was taking shortcuts, and frankly, there are no shortcuts. So I would ask you then to ask yourself, what's your wheelhouse? And am I staying within at least my wheelhouse? Because there's, there's variations within that, rather than getting way outside of that wheelhouse. Got it. And then secondly, you know, it's about the pain and the anguish and letting it go and focusing on, again, your future, rather than being distracted. Because distraction is about losing focus. All right. Well, let me uh, summarize a few things I take away from it. I mean, I, I wrote down a lot of things, but first thing I was just writing down was about, I read research about the brain many years ago that really influenced me. And it was talking about the neural pathways of common habits, of things that we enjoy, of things that we do well, and how hard it is for the things that we don't do well to improve those connections and improve our capacity in those areas. And it made me realize that I'm going to just focus on what I like and what I'm good at and make those excellent rather than focus on what I'm not good at and make it average. And that first lesson that I took away, you know, you said something, a second thing, and I think that this is an important thing about, about business in particular, is that you said there was no way out. I got stuck. I was stuck. And I think that one of the things about a great, let's say, commander in battle is that you always have a way out. You always are trying to figure yeah, out. I have there. hindsight. There were ways I could get out. But exactly. at the time, just like when your dad told you about the moped thing, 
you didn't see that there was any way you could have done that until he pointed it out. So I agree with you. There is always a way. And that's right there is, is value for the, for the listener because what I want to influence to the people listening to this podcast is that you don't have to go, whatever that struggle is you're facing right now doesn't have to become your worst investment because of what you're learning right now from Daniel. So take it and learn to let go. Now, it's, it's another, one other thing that I would say about, I wrote down about confrontation. Now in Thailand, Thailand's very interesting. I've now lived 29 years of my 55 years in Thailand. So I'm actually, you know, I understand this culture probably more than I understand America now that I've been gone since 1992. And, you know, one of the things about Thailand that's interesting is that confrontation is not allowed in society. It is not allowed. And that's very different from America where confrontation is, is actually rewarded. It's encouraged. In fact, you could argue that maybe democracy is the collision of ideas and a compromise that comes out of the two. But confrontation is not allowed in Thai society. And therefore, what you find is that people de-escalate situations very well. Now, there's downsides to not allowing uh, confrontation. But the de-escalation, like a great way of looking at it is if you look at Thai police versus the U.S. police. Every encounter that I see with the U.S. police, it's, it's towards further escalation. Escalate is what it's all about. Whereas the, you could just see a Thai policeman would wait something out. They would not escalate. And I think that that brings me to your story and the legal aspect. We've had a lot of potential confrontations in our coffee business and in my own business where we've come across different situations where we could have taken a stand. And what we decided to do was retreat from that stand because we were worried about the energy aspect that was going to happen through the confrontation. And I would never have thought of backing down from confrontation when I was growing up in the U.S. But now, with my experience in Thailand, I now understand the power of stepping back from a confrontation and what it can save you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I agree with that 100%. It's amazing. And by the way, that's one of the reasons I have enjoyed over the many decades traveling all over the world, not just on vacation, but giving speeches and doing consulting all over the world is because I, I love meeting my fellow brothers and sisters on the planet. And I find great comfort in our similarities and great learning in our differences. And I, I rejoice in the differences because I love to learn. And it's a wonderful planet. If you haven't been out, check it out. It's a good one. Yeah, and if you go out with an open mind, it will crush your paradigms. It will break your framework. It will, if you allow it to, and it will open you up to tremendous opportunity, tremendous friendships, tremendous so much. But if you leave your country with your framework that has been created from a society and a societal structure, that you think is right, but the reality is that every framework, every country has its framework, and they think that's right. If you leave and carry that framework with you, you'll have a hard time in the world out there. But if you can allow yourself to step out of that framework and put yourself in the shoes of others, then you're going to have an amazing experience. And, and, and what did you just said? You just said, and learn. Exactly. Exactly. Those are and all good. Really good. One last thing I would say that I want to raise is, one of my former guests, episode 234, John Lee Dumas, says, and he really influenced me 
with this over the years as I've listened to his Entrepreneur on Fire podcast is he talks about focus, follow one course until success. And it just always reminds me that focus on what I love, focus on what I'm good at, and when I find that something is distracting my focus, now I'm going to say, let it go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> going to follow your words. Yeah, right. yeah. It, it's very powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. So based on what you learn from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Well, I would say that to ask yourself right now, what's distracting you from your focus? Let's stay with that theme. And is it something that's negative? Is it something, probably, something that's tied to emotion? Probably. It's keeping you, maybe you're waking up thinking about it or going to sleep thinking about it, so you're not sleeping that well anyway. And all of that is distracting you. And once again, let's use the, the phrase of the, uh, of the day here, let it go. And so you can get back to your focus because uh, that focus is going to be uh, a key. And again, what I'm hoping you're doing is focusing on elevating your uh, significance and how you help others. Because when you do that, again, success is a result of that. And I, I want to take this to another level for the listeners out there in this difficult COVID time, because someone could be listening and go, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you know, let it go. But, you know, I, I've got cash flow problems. I've got this, I've got that, all these things, my family. But I think that how I would look at that from my perspective is that focus, find the thing that you love and you're good at and that you can bring value to the world. And I know it's hard to walk, you know, some things you can't walk away from that are distracting, but you can shift that focus onto the things that you can bring power and energy and love and knowledge and transformation to the world. And slowly you can pull yourself out of that depression or other things of things that you may not be able to just walk away from, but eventually that positive energy will pull you to a whole nother level where those negative things will seem difficult. If you can let it go and walk away, do that. But if you can't, transition yourself out through focus. Yeah, well, and to add to that and tie into a theme I mentioned earlier, because I've helped a lot of companies and individuals during this whole COVID time who were dealing with exactly that. I've got all these problems, my financial problems, my business is closed down, all of this stuff. And it's easy to get depressed and down when it's all about you. Once again, when you change the focus from you to others, you are uplifted. So I would say if you're finding yourself right now being bogged down by the negative effects of COVID and the lockdowns and everything that are happening, a part of what's bogging you down is the focus is all on what's happened to you and all of the negative things. And when you start looking at others and how you might help them, you find yourself helping yourself. Secondly, there are ways of thinking differently about where we're at right now. And if you're only looking for the problem or that solution for the obvious problem, you're not seeing the bigger opportunity. Whenever anything negative happens, something positive just happens. By the way, when something positive happened, something negative happened. I like to look at both. So with the lockdowns and all the things that have happened, when something negative happens, look and see what positive just happened. And by the way, it is always there. If we had more time on this podcast, I would give you some solid examples of how companies have gone from 
laying off employees and closing down to actually hiring employees within a week once they changed how they think and became more anticipatory. So once again, what is it? It's about what's up here. It's about mindset. Mm, beautiful. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, as I said a little bit earlier, I'm trying to get as many people as I can to be anticipatory versus just agile. Now, let me make a little comment about that. Agility is react is a reactive strategy. You're agile when you, uh, the, the quicker or the faster you can react to a disruption, the better. The more agile you are, the better. The more agile you are to a problem and solve it, the better. But as these things continue to get come to us faster and faster, as the world and exponential change accelerates, you need another competency, and that is to be anticipatory. How to anticipate the disruptions before they disrupt, turning disruption into a choice. Every disruption was there to see. You just didn't have a tool, and of course, I try to help people with that. Secondly, every problem, almost, not all, almost every problem you'll have, and in a global survey I'm doing of executives that I haven't released yet, but I'll give you the scoop, 93% of them when asked what's the biggest problem you currently have, and once they identified it, I said, now, was it predictable or is it completely out of the blue? 93% said it was predictable and solvable, but I didn't have a tool to see it. There's a way. So if you can anticipate problems before you have them and pre-solve them, you will move forward faster. If you can anticipate disruptions before they disrupt, you can position yourself as a positive disruptor, creating the transformations that need to happen to make the world a better place and to accelerate innovation and growth. So in the next 12 months, I want to get as many people around the world to be anticipatory versus reactionary as possible. Fantastic. That description about agile is another golden nugget of our conversation, because I would think that most of us, particularly in the world of manufacturing, think of agile as a really great skill. But I've never really thought about the fact that agility really is all about how you're taking on what's coming at you today, you know, how that exactly. guy's really agile and all that. But it has, it doesn't change anything about what actually is coming at you. And anticipatory yeah. is trying to say, how do we change what's coming at us in the future? Think of it as a two-sided coin. Agile is on one side. And by the way, get good at it, get better at it. But I want you to have the other side of the coin be also anticipatory. How can you be lean if you can't anticipate problems and pre-solve them? You'll never be fully lean if you, if you can't react. You know, there's, you need both. So it's a double-sided coin and the other side just hadn't been taught. Again, I'm trying to bring that. And, and I think one of the things you'll find is if you dig into my stuff a little further on being anticipatory is I separate what I call the hard trends that are based on future facts that will happen. You can't change them, but you can see them ahead of time versus soft trends that are based on assumptions. And if you don't like the assumption, you can change that soft trend. Mm. And that gives you the ability to turn a trend into an action rather than an academic study. So before I wrap this up, let me ask, what's the best way for people to to learn about anticipatory organization? Is it the book? Is it the blogs? Is it where, what is their best path to gaining that knowledge? Well, I would say the best simplest thing to do is to go to burrus.com, B-U-R-R-U-S.com. And you'll get access to, you can find books there. You can find my blogs. I read write a blog a week. I've been doing it for decades. There's a lot of material there. 
And that's where you can find about the anticipatory leader learning system and all of that stuff. So I could give you a number right. of websites, but that one is kind of a house, the umbrella. So Burris.com. Got it. And we'll have it in the show notes. So for any of you that are driving or anything, just go to the show notes, click on it, and you'll be there. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember <laughs> to go to my, <laughs> myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount on my how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market course. As we conclude, Daniel, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning <laughs> your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, there has never been more opportunity on the planet Earth than there is right now. So... You know, remember, good news doesn't sell, bad news sells, and it creates a fog. Blow away the fog, and you'll be amazed at the mountain of opportunity that's there right in front of you. So, so true, so true, and great way to leave the podcast. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.